Welcome to 5050 Films. I'm Autumn. And I'm Peter. This is it. This is our last episode of the year. Our goal every year, for the past two years, this is our second year completing it, is to watch 100 movies together, and this episode is going to feature movies 106 and 107. So we have surpassed our goal, and we're officially done for the year. Um, So this will be our last movie review episode, and then on the 1st of January, we will be coming out with interview episodes, individual interviews about how our movie viewing experience was kind of like our mid-year interviews that we did, as well as something that I'm going to be calling uh, Anything But Films, which is going to be a big media break episode where we talk about TV shows and books and games, so you can look forward to those. Um, but as I said, we still have two more movies to review. So the first movie we're going to be talking about is A Fish Called Wanda, and Peter's going to give a little bit of a synopsis for this one. So A Fish Called Wanda, we watched because my dad wanted us to. He was, like, quoting it during Christmas, I guess. Um, and he's always, like, he loves... For some reason, he was looking up... Um, some of the comments that John Cleese made, uh, surrounding the deaths of some of the actors for Monty Python, I forget who's exactly dead. Um, I, I think... I didn't realize that's what brought this all up. Yeah. He was showing me that, uh, apparently John Cleese was very abrupt and, like, shocking when he's talking about his, his old, um, friends. He's, like, giving them... Basically called, uh, I think, was it, I don't remember, it might have been Michael Palin. I don't know who's dead. That's the problem from them. There's like two Monty Python actors that have passed away. I don't think I've seen Monty Python, so I can't help you. And if I have, you showed it to me in high school and I did not pay attention. He basically called them talentless freeloaders, essentially. Okay. At their, at their funeral service and then like joked about it and was like, he would have loved it if he had seen the look on your faces when I called him that. And it was like, it was like a, you know, actual, like, yeah. it's supposed to be funny. So we watched A Fish Called Wanda. Which John Cleese is which in. Which John Cleese is in. <laughs> also, Michael Palin is in. Another Monty Python actor from that same troupe. It also featured Jamie Lee Curtis, which makes it like the probably fifth or sixth movie this year that's had Jamie Lee Curtis in it. At least the third movie in the past two months. I don't think it's the fifth or sixth, but yeah, it is the third movie in two months that we've seen. And two in a row, essentially. And all all with your parents. Yeah. Because we watched Christmas with the Cranks, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and A Fish Called Wanda, all with your parents. At different times. If only she'd been in pirate radio, and we would have actually had... Yeah, it would have been four for four. (laughs) We should probably get to the plot synopsis now. <laughs> yeah. It's a crime drama slash comedy where this group, um, Archie, Wanda, Otto, Ken, and George, rob a jewelry store. The Archie does is... not rob the jewelry store. Okay, yeah. Archie's not, not a robber. The rest of them rob a jewelry store. They attempt to escape. The plan is they're going to leave the country in, in like a few days, but there's a huge double cross right at the beginning where Wanda and Otto, played by, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein, um, are a 
attempting to like make sure that these guys are fully uh, cut out. She's trying to cut out Ken and cut out George. Uh, Wanda personally wants to take it all for herself. She also plans on cutting out Otto, which we learned pretty early on. So we see this uh, this group and the dynamic that they have sort of deconstruct throughout the the movie. Otto does some horrible things to Ken towards the end. Like, he eats all of his fish. Otto is an animal lover who... Otto isn't. Ken is. Sorry, Ken is an animal yeah. lover who is, throughout the course of the movie, to kill the, 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 the one old lady witness to make her heart fail. He's, like, been made to do that. And because of that, he ends up accidentally killing her three dogs, which the third dog dying does kill her. But... He just see him like feel terrible after every time he accidentally kills one of their dogs instead of just killing her. Um, so that that's that's very funny. Um, even though it's a little sad because we have a small dog, so it was very sad to see these little dogs get. It was like murked one by one. You know, it was like I I don't know how to say it. It was like cartoonified mm-hmm. almost in a way that made it like not so painful to see like one of them gets entirely smushed and you can tell it's just like a stuffed animal yeah yeah 100 percent. and that like i appreciated that it was i was able to like suspend my disbelief enough and i was thankful that was not something they made you yeah see because they're very monty python-esque in each of the deaths uh, one of them just gets like picked up by an angry doberman that just like sprints down the street with it that was the one that got me the most (laughs) because if you do have a small dog like we do that is a genuine fear yeah So, yeah, Archie <laughs> is the only other character, really, the only other main character. I guess his wife is technically also kind of a main character. But he is George's lawyer. And as the movie goes on, um, he is, like, misled by Wanda and then kind of figures it out towards the end. Figures out that George did, in fact, rob the store. And his life is so ruined by the fact that he sort of falls for Wanda early on. Because he's like a very loveless marriage, which is like shown to us very, very early. That he basically loses everything and is just like, you know what? (laughs) I'm taking the diamonds and leaving. And it ends up with him and Wanda taking the diamonds and leaving to South America. I think that's a pretty solid, like, quick synopsis. Yeah, you did good. Did I miss anything important? I don't think you did. I did not envy you having to do that just because it is... Everyone's intentions are so mixed up with Wanda being the the biggest case of this. So it's kind of hard to explain. It's like, okay, she's in a team with these people, but she actually is more teamed up with this guy. But actually, she's going to screw over this guy and she's totally planning to. And Wanda really uses her sexuality to get her what she wants. She does it with every man in this movie she's with george at the beginning supposedly and then when george gets arrested we find out that she's actually with otto and they are going to um be together and then we find out that she's just leading otto on as well and then later on in the movie she you know she kisses ken and says that he's the one she really wants to be with and she leads archie on and by the end of the movie we're led to believe that she actually does want to be with archie um but, but that's he where does the movie some very ends. romantic things to her 
throughout the course of their the little fling that she does to manipulate him. I feel like she also appreciates his intelligence because none of these other guys are very intelligent, particularly Otto, who ha- actually has this whole thing about being called yeah. stupid. He does not want to be called stupid. It makes him irrationally angry. He's like, I read philosophy and you know, blah, 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 but he doesn't actually internalize what he's reading. He just does things to make himself look smart. Um, but yeah, what was your take on Ken naming the fish Wando? W- Wando? Wando. <laughs> yeah, Wanda. I mean, Wando was an interesting choice for the fish. Um, no, I, I'm not really sure. I th- thought it was kind of weird. I wasn't sure if there was some, like, meaning there that I was just totally missing out on. Yeah, I I think it might have... So, we don't have any of the backstory for, like, when he named the fish. I mean, you, we could just assume that he named the fish after Wanda was already in the picture. Um, which, you mean, he just named the prettiest fish after Wanda. Yeah, I guess I guess that makes enough sense. You don't really need. Yeah, much I don't really know if there's much past that. You know what I mean? Watching Otto eat those fish was the worst part of the movie. For yeah, it was me. pretty gross. It was horrible. And then when he gets to Wanda, that is a big fish. So there's like parts of her sticking out of his mouth. Oh my gosh, it was horrific. I hated it. Yeah, I wonder if they like made gelatin molds of the fish for that. I feel like they probably did. It looked pretty realistic, though. Like, they did a good job with that, as much as I hated it. The character I think I feel for the most in this movie is Archie's daughter. I feel really bad for her. Yeah? Yeah. Obviously, she's a brat. Yeah, And, like, she's... takes after her mother. But I don't think she deserves, like, her dad just completely abandoning her and running off with, with a crime... With a criminal. <laughs> That's fair. I mean... Yeah, she's kind of an asshole, though. Like, at the... the She's, like, mean to her dad. You right, know? but she's a teenager. <laughs> yeah, but... You kind of you understand, like... You know, why he's just upset with his family in general. It doesn't justify cheating on the, his wife, but, like, he, he she is a dick to him. Like, truly awful. Like, walks into their house, doesn't even notice he's unconscious on the floor... Goes the whole way upstairs to find all of her stuff's missing and then freaks out about it. Okay, fair enough. We should probably talk about the whole necklace thing and the key. That was a huge part of this movie. Yeah, so very early on there's a safety deposit box key that Ken has to retrieve for George. George. Um, And then when when he gets the key, he hides it in the little treasure chest. Unfortunately... In the fish tank. Yeah, in the fish tank. Unfortunately, Wanda is like, has like snuck into the apartment and is pretending that she's not there. So she sees him do it and immediately like takes it. Um, so then. Sorry, you're scratching and stuff and making extra. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, he's just like, he thinks it's fine and it's not. And so she puts it in this necklace, which then gets accidentally left at Archie's place because she's trying to ply him, you know, to figure out where the... She wants to know where the the safety deposit box is. And then Archie's wife has it for a little bit. 
And then... She finds the necklace. Her name is Wendy. The necklace has a W on it, so she thinks that Archie bought it for her. Yeah. And then Which... it's this disaster. I... And she is horrible to him. I, I will say that. But also, the way she reacts when she thinks he got something for her makes me think that, like, he's not really trying in this either. Because if no. she's that excited that he, like, picks something out for her, it's not even, like, that nice of a necklace. When Wanda wants it back, he buys Wendy a new one and tries to swap out for, like, a much more expensive one. And she doesn't want it because she, like, feels like this one is more sentimental. And that makes me feel for her a little bit, even though she's definitely a villain character in the movie. I just, in that moment, it was like, it, it always takes two. Like, clearly she's a horrible person, their marriage is a mess, but, like, he also must not be giving her what she needs if something like that would make her so happy that she cannot give it up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But they, Wanda does get it back eventually. Yeah. Yeah, this is like a, this is a bit of a rough movie for me, because I expected to like it more than I did, I think. Okay. Because I, which is, I only gave it an entertaining. I did too. Right? Like. I didn't have any expectations. I really like John Cleese, and I, I really like Michael Palin, and I thought that the parts of this that seemed very Monty Python-esque were very funny. I did not like Otto. Yeah, I didn't either. As a character at all. Yeah. And it wasn't like in a, oh, he's like, oh, I love the villain character. It's like a, no, I just, I just didn't care for Otto. Yeah, he didn't really um, need to be there. <laughs> yeah, he reminded me too much of shitty people I had to deal with in college. Okay. Like, you know, like quoting philosophy and like, don't call me stupid and all that like, you know, bullshit. And maybe it was just like, this guy's just a slime ball. And, like, I guess he's supposed to be a slime ball, so that's fine. But I didn't enjoy watching him be a slime ball. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I also just didn't really care about the Wanda Archie romance. Because, like I said, at the end, we're believed, we are led to believe that they are, you know, just going to live happily ever after. But after seeing her screw over so many other people, I'm like... I would have been more interested in that. I would have been more interested if it had ended with Wanda then screwing over Archie, taking all the stuff and, like, leaving on her own because I feel like that's just a lot more authentic to her character. I would have liked it the other way. I would have liked it if oh, Archie that would have been even better. over Wanda and then we just had Archie on a plane to Nicaragua with a bag full of diamonds. That would have been even better. I just <laughs> yeah. wanted something... I just, I just didn't care about the, the love story part of this. Yeah. And I'm someone who, like, typically enjoys that, but the older I get, the more media I'm exposed to, the more I realize that I don't care about romance in general. I care about romance when it matters, like, between yeah. people who you can actually, like, see a chemistry and connection. And I just didn't really get that with Wanda and anybody out of all of the people. But overall, it was entertaining. I told Peter, thank goodness for his dad, because without him, we might not watch any 80s movies. So we always, we've got, we've got a couple 80s movies this year. That's thanks to Peter's dad. My dad was a teenager. Er, no, he was in his 20s in the 80s. So 
Oh, yeah, like late teens, early 20s, like right when the 80s started. He's like 16, I think. Yeah, his favorite movies so, always seem to be from the 80s. Yeah. I am just starting a spreadsheet now, and I'm going to input, I'm almost done inputting all of 2022. I'm going to go back and do all our 2021 ones as well, yeah. um, so that we can just have some statistics for things like the year. So I'm interested to see how many things we've watched in the 80s that have just been decades, influenced. So. By your dad or by my dad, my dad, because we have a couple movies we've watched um, from the 80s because of my dad as well. Yeah. So. All right. We are not doing a media break this time, but we are doing something in the middle of here. Tell the people what we're doing. The Rapid Reckoning. It's Rapid Recommend. I know. Reckoning. Yeah, the rapid <laughs> reckoning. We're taking, we're re- we're pulling all the other stuff out of the re- of the rapid recommend. You threw me totally off. Sorry. The rapid recommendation jar. We're emptying it, and we're gonna do a recommendation for each of the slips in the jar. Yeah, there's four categories left that we didn't get to. Um, rapid recommend is something we just added at the end of the year. It it was initially supposed to be um, at the last episode of each month but we've kind of just been messing around doing whatever we're feeling like so who knows what next year will look like uh but since we just recorded and did a media break obviously nothing has really changed from what we said in last media break so we're gonna do this instead to fill the time and also get these um other recommendations done Ooh, that was satisfying all right let's start it off YouTube channel. Okay, I've had this one planned since I wrote yeah, I that as a category. I wanting to get this. Um, I watch a lot of the section of YouTube that is called BookTube. I have since, like, 2013. Um, and it's just a great place to get, like, book recommendations. Um, I don't know. It just gets me excited to read. Like, if you're in a reading slump or you're not quite in the mood, sometimes watching these videos just gets you excited about reading again. And my favorite booktuber is Reagan Peruse. Her channel is Peruse Project. I've been watching her for a really long time. I really like her videos. She is a big fan of fantasy, specifically long fantasy books. And I would honestly say her taste in reading actually aligns more with Peter's than it does with mine these days. There's definitely some similarities there, but I am definitely learning that I prefer magical realism and literary fiction and a fantasy every now and again, as opposed to like fantasy as often as possible. Um, But I have bought Peter books based off of uh, videos of Reagan's that I've seen, and I have read and loved books myself based off of Reagan's video. I feel like she is so eloquent in her speaking um, that it just makes her very engaging to watch. What about you? I'm recommending, as an easy one, Ordinary Sausage. Oh my god. This is Sausage Man. Autumn hates Sausage Man because his voice is funny. I don't hate him. You hate him because his voice is funny. <laughs> I don't hate him. He's a, he's got I a, hate what he does. He's got a relatively high-pitched voice. He's from Florida. He, he's hilarious. And he, he makes sausage out of random things. Now, not random things like household objects, but like he makes sausage out of random foods. Um, a lot of his early ones were like you'd like order out like fast food stuff and like put together like the whole um i don't know kfc 
meal into one sausage, that kind of thing. What's your favorite one that he's done? I think there. So there's a tr- there's like it's kind of a trilogy. Um, trilogy. There's the first one I believe is when he does lobster sausage. Um, it's very funny. The sausage ends up being really good, I think. Um, and I guess it's a duology. And then after that, he does water sausage, where he just puts water in a sausage casing and bitches about how his, his audience <laughs> didn't give a shit about the lobster episode. Oh, no. He does the water sausage after it. And then there's another one. I think it's the next episode after that, where... He just goes, $37 on lobster. The water sausage gets 3 million views. <laughs> it's like, he's like complaining about how the water sausage got like, it's like millions of views and the lobster sausage is like a couple hundred thousand views. <laughs> and he spent like $100 on lobster. He keeps like increasing the number of how much he spent on the lobster as he complains through the episode. Um, it's, it's very good. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, he does, he'll do like all kinds of weird. Sometimes he'll just do like stuff you know is gonna fail. Like he'll put like one ingredient and just stuff that in a sausage casing, and it always almost always turns out horrible, right? Unless it's a meat. Um, and then sometimes he'll actually like dip. It depends on what he's doing. He'll mix it up with pork and actually add some sausage to see if it like makes the actual sausage taste better. So it's a lot of variety, and none of his none. Of, None of his videos are over, like, five minutes long, and if they do, they're, like, one of the outliers, you know? So just, like, a really quick little, like, watch a dude, like, kind of be funny while making a sausage and then rate it at the end. And it's very good. Very short. All right. What's our next category? Oh, I... I, Oh! Peter just dumped it on me. Yep. Song. Well, I'll just go. My Spotify top song of the year is is Cafe Deluxe by Osei the Seventh. Um, so I'm going to go with that, as it is appropriate for the end of the year. This is a song that is so fun. Um, it's just one of those songs that like makes you kind of want to dance. I don't know if he has much other music out. Um, I think I listened to the other things that he does, and I wasn't as interested in them as I was in Cafe Deluxe, but I will be keeping an eye out for other things that he does. I recommend Everyone Looks Like Everyone by the Pack AD. Um, it's just got this like kind of visceral garage band quality to it, which is really fun. Um, and the the singer has this like I think they're Canadian. I'm actually not entirely sure what they are. I assume they're Canadian because they are featured on Letter Kenny. Like this is the first song they play in the show when Wayne gets into a fight. Um, and it's really cool because Wayne's fights are always very like, you know, well, like fun, fun brawl choreographed. Right. So it's just really cool to hear. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's just really good. It's only like three minutes long. So you gotta, you gotta do it. Next. What do we got? Album. Album. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. This is stressing me out. Do you have one? So I can um, think longer? An album? All I can think about is, is Red, Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan, um, despite 
how I don't want to be so basic, but, like, I am so basic. And Red was always my favorite album, but Red Taylor's version is even better. The bonus songs are so good. I feel like I'm, like, transported back to that time in my teenage years listening to Red the first time. The 10-minute version of All Too Well is everything. It is so good. Um, so I think I have to go with that one. That is when I, when we picked the Slip album, that is, like, the only thing I could think of. Peter is Googling things, which I feel like is cheating, but we never established the rules, so I guess I can't say that it's actually cheating, but, like, maybe next year I will have to make a rule. And I'm basically just talking right now because we don't do much editing, as you probably know. (laughs) Vamping. Um, I, I recommend Dreamland, which is, I think, the most recent Glass Animals album. They did just put out, like, a remaster, or is it a remaster, or, like... The extended edition, like, this year, but they came out in 2020, and it's really good. Um, just, it's got a whole bunch of really solid songs on it. Glass Animals is your top band on your... Yeah, it's my favorite band, it's my top listened band on my, like, recap thing, so... Podcast. Um, I'm gonna keep the book bookish theme. Um, my first podcast I ever really got into is Books Unbound by Ariel Bissett and Raylene. LeMay, now Stewart, because she got married this year, um, where they talk about what they're reading, what they're buying. They do book clubs on there. Um, again, very similar to BookTube. It just kind of gets you in the mood to read, gives you some new book recommendations to be excited about. Um, I like this one, too, because Peter doesn't mind listening to it in the car with me if we're on a road trip, um, which I appreciate. And, yeah, I just feel like they're really great speakers, and they're also just genuinely really good friends, so when they speak to each other, it's just, you kind of feel like you're just in the club. It doesn't feel, like, forced or unnatural or anything, which I think is important. I recommend Forehead Fables podcast. Um, It's, like, the only podcast I'm listening to right now. I've kind of put all my other podcasts that I listen to on a back burner, um... Uh, it is the podcast with General Sam, Papa Poob, and uh, Brian. Um, I can't remember what his like handles are. I don't think it matters. That's fine. Just saying uh, Brian at the yeah. end sounds better, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, they're very funny. Uh, I really like General Sam's videos. Um, and like the, the podcast is great because it's mostly Poob telling stories and the other guys making fun of him. Um, and then occasionally them telling stories as well. Most recently, I think they did a couple of, uh, they, they, they did tier list episodes as a joke because a lot of other podcasts, like, will start to do those and get stuck in them. So each of them made a tier list and then they, they at least spent like a two hour episode talking about the tier list because that's what, I do that with my friends. It's just like what guys, guys, guys get philosophical about the dumbest stuff. So it's it's fun to like watch them do that. Like types of soup. I once walked into the office to find Peter and his friends <laughs> and debating snack cakes. Snack debating where to one. put a clam chowder on a tier ranking list. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing, uh, so that basically they just did one on animals they could fight with a metal bat. Like which animals could they beat in a fight with a metal bat? Um, and Bugs Bunny was of course the most brutal. <laughs> One, it would he would he would eviscerate them was the with the late the tier they put him in, but there was a bunch of other real animals and some fake ones which was funny, um, and I think the most recent the most recent one I haven't listened to the episode yet it's I think it's like a like a it's some kind of sexual rating of cryptids, 
which sounds hilarious. So, like, these guys, they're, I think they're really funny, and whenever they do get, like, off-color, you can tell it's just them joking around. Like, there's never any, like, doubt where you're like, oh, are they actually, like, you know... <laughs> like, it's it's all you're always very obviously a joke. Um, and just, like, a goofy joke, which is good. Um, but, yeah, I really like them. Okay. That's our rapid reckoning. Yeah, the rapid <laughs> reckoning. All the all the rest of the ones in the jar. We'll figure out how we're. We'll gonna do, do that do next this. year too. Next year at the end. Yeah, at the oh, end. Anything okay. that's still in the jar gets rapid reckoned. I was gonna say we can't do this all the time because it like hurts my brain and also makes me spiral a little bit. So every every <laughs> once in a while is fine, but not every episode. Yeah. Our last movie of the year was a recommendation from my dear friend Brittany, her favorite movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, starring Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Uh, and it was a big hit for both of us. Yeah, so it, feel, it feels so good to end the year. We started the year with Spider-Man No Way Home, which was amazing, of course. Um, and we're ending it with a movie we both really loved as well. And that's just, oh, it is so satisfying for my type A brain to bookend this year with two movies we both really enjoyed. So I'm excited to talk about this one. This is another one that is kind of, like, it's not hard to recap, but I feel like any way you describe it is not going to actually capture what it feels like to watch this movie. This is about Joel, who meets Clementine, uh, and that's how the movie starts off. They meet on a bus. But we it's later... Is it a... Oh, it is a train. Mm -hmm. Thank it's you for correcting me. New York City, it's the train to Montauk. And we later find out this is not the first time they've met. They actually had met before and been in a relationship, and Clementine paid to have Joel erased from her memory after they got into a fight and broke up. Uh, Joel finds out about this, and he's obviously very upset because he finds out by going to give her a Valentine's Day present present at the bookstore where she works and she has no idea who he is um so he is accidentally given uh or it's it's his friends show him paperwork that they had received that stated that clementine had had joel erased from her memory and they were supposed to kind of keep them apart if they could um and not really talk about joel to clementine um, so Joel finds out about this. He goes to see the doctor himself and figures, you know what, if she did it, I'm going to do it too. Let's just have a clean slate. Um, but as they put him under and are trying to erase his memories, he decides he doesn't want that anymore. So what we see for a large majority of this movie is Joel and Dream Clementine uh, trying to save Joel's memory of her because he's changed his mind. But at this point, he's asleep. And... Um, he is not able to to wake himself up and stop the procedure. Um, and then the movie ends in kind of that well-rounded way of we see that when they had met on the bus was actually them re-meeting after they've both had the procedure um, and kind of getting to start over in a way. I feel like... Did I miss anything? Um, no, but you called it a bus the second time. Did I really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's we're, we we are seeing multiple perspectives. So there's the Joel, all the Joel memories after 
Elijah Wood knocks on the car window and asks him if he's okay are all us seeing the replays of the memories while they're being erased. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, pretty much. Um, because even when... Like, like there are glitches that happen even in... Um, his memories of talking with uh, David Cross, that character and his wife... I can't remember his wife's in-character name was Carrie. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, he... So, there, we were to see glitches in that point, which is, like, right after when he's talking to them, right? Right. So, and, like, through that, we also, we, you, you notice that he is fundamentally, like, destroyed after this procedure. He calls off work, because he remembers he has work, but he doesn't remember that he has friends, Right? Like, he fully forgets, because he's talking to her, and he's like, I don't have any friends. Like, when he's talking to her on the train. Right. Like, he he does not remember that he's friends with Carrie and what's-his-name. Yeah. Um, he is, he is, because, like, they messed up so hard when they were deleting his memory. Um, and Rob. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Rob. That it was just, it's just so scrambled that he's, like, you know... It's, it's, you know, it, it's bad. Um, so it's, it's, it's really cool to like see them get back together. And so how long did it take for you to figure out that the very beginning of the movie was like the end of the movie? I think it took me at like the halfway point. I even, okay. whenever I said it to you was when I figured it out. And I was so satisfied by that because I didn't like the beginning of this movie. I was like, this makes no sense. How am I supposed to root for these people? Like, they, they're they supposed to have a connection based on this interaction? Like, what the heck? And the fact that that made that make sense was so satisfying. That never, ever happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we have this side plot, right? Yeah. So we have the doctor and his assistant Mary and Mark Ruffalo, who works there, and also Patrick, um, who's played by Elijah Wood. Yes, and so, oh, oh my gosh, and that's another side plot that we can get into is um, Patrick and, and Clementine. But we have the doctor who works to erase memories, and on the night that Joel is undergoing his procedure, Mark Ruffalo's character is there, and so is Patrick, and then Mary shows up, and she and Stan, Mark Ruffalo's character, are kind of like... It, I don't know if they're in a relationship, but they're, like, having a fling. They're they're hanging out and stuff. And so Patrick leaves, and they end up just drinking and fooling around, and all on the bed that Joel is laying on. They're, like, lay in between him, or on either yeah. side of him, and put their food on his stomach and, like, eat off the plate. It was very, honestly, it was, it was interesting and funny to watch, but um, a little bit creepy as well. Um, but we later find out, and it, slowly, the, the doctor has to come because Joel is trying to escape the procedure in his brain, so things are going wrong. And we see that Mary is kind of flirtatious with him, even though she has this relationship with Stan. And eventually she does kiss him, and his wife shows up and sees, and after she drives away, she kind of plants the seed she says don't let her think it's her fault 
to her husband because what had happened was they had had an affair in the past and he had erased Mary's memory. So once Mary finds that out, she sends all the documentation out to previous patients who have had their memories erased because she didn't like the way she felt when she found out. Yeah. Do you want to talk about um, Patrick and Clementine? That that part of it? Yeah, sure. So, so Elijah Wood's character, Patrick, finds... Uh, when, when they do Clementine's memory, he, like, you know, falls for her. I think she's beautiful. And then, like, sort of steals her, which is unethical. And they, they, they get joked about how that's unethical, like, a couple times. Not just steals her, but, like, steals things yeah. from Joel. Using Joel's lines, yeah. basically. Ugh. Which ends up backfiring on him because it messes up the process that had already kind of wiped her memory. Because he's being too much like Joel and reminding her of stuff. Which was, you know, driving her crazy. I figured out this kind of immediately. Um, this was, like, the whole, like, conceit behind the first scenes. Oh, okay. Right? It clearly didn't have any, like, negative effect on you knowing that. No, that early, no. I actually liked this. it. Because it made, it made me more hopeful for the whole movie. So, like, I had, I had come into this knowing that it was about memory stuff. Right, and then they, the title of the movie is yeah. is pretty you know indicative of that, um, and then I picked it up almost immediately, uh, and it was it wasn't super. I, I came in it going, is his heart, is his memory already messed up? Does he know her or it's like this? I didn't know if he knew her already, but it was a it was more of a like, like did did he already get mind wi- mind wiped? Like are we seeing like something oh, okay. else? But. That was just me knowing about that part of, like, that aspect of the movie. But then I, like, fully figured it out when very early on in the process of him going to get his memory wiped, he goes, I first met her on the beach that I got, you know, invited to with a bunch, with a couple of friends. And I'm like, oh, well. Was that that early on? Because I think that's when I figured it out, too. That was pretty early on in That's what tipped me off, too. So maybe I figured it out earlier than I thought. Yeah. Because I was, like, he met her on the train. Yeah. Well, so yeah, because he so he he mentions it in passing, um, and it's not a scene until later in the movie. Oh. Okay. So if you figured it out in the scene, like when they go to the house and stuff, that just m- a little later in. That might have um, been it. Like you don't see like the like was it when they pulled out the the remote control plane? I don't remember. It was okay. him saying it. But it could have been him saying it in the later scene because yeah. I feel like I didn't figure it out that early. Yeah, so I, that's feel, what I feel like you off. you said something that made it seem like you figured it out, but that was like way later than that original scene where they talked about it. Okay, that makes more sense. But I don't know. You me. might have just figured it out. Not it was that either. clue that tipped me off, though. Yeah, it, yeah. I think it was said later when it did, though, for me. Yeah, because they meet at a different place than is shown in the beginning of the movie. Actually, it's the same place, but it's different in that you know he's with he's. Got invited there by other friends, you know. It's just it's like a social event function that she's also invited to. So it was very. And that was comforting for me. I was like, I was like, oh, thank God! So they met back up and hit it off after all this blows over. And I was like, okay, cool, because this movie is very depressing. If you if you were to go into it with a, I don't think they're gonna get back together thing is you literally just watch you're watching the view from in his mind as all of her memories are destroyed and like gotten rid of yeah to where it ends and it's (laughs) like 
<laughs> yeah, it, I mean, when you think about it, it is. I mean, it's it's about their breakup, so that's sad. And then it's about getting rid of all the happy parts of it. Yep. Which is sad. So, yeah, that little glimmer of hope at the beginning really does kind of tie the whole movie together. Which, again, for me, was so satisfying because when I watched it, I didn't like it. Yeah. And then to be like, oh, my gosh, this is actually so brilliant. It yeah. was so satisfying. Um, I rated this movie memorable. Peter rated it outstanding. This is one of those, and we're going to change our rating system next year to make this a little bit easier. I think this could be outstanding for me, but I have to sit with it a little longer. Like, it's just too early for me to say. Because I just, I thought the performances in this were great. The concept was so good, but the execution of the concept was the best part. Because movies try to do these sorts of things all of the time but it's really about the visual experience of that and the way that they showed his memories and even like a, a part of the movie right is he's trying to stop this from happening so she says take me to memories where i don't belong where they won't find me so that's a that's a part of the movie too is they're like going back to his other memories that she wouldn't normally be in like mm -hmm. childhood memories and things like that and it's just so artfully done like one of those memories is him having to he's egged on by boys to like kill a bird in a wagon yeah my, i'm not sure if it was already dead or if it was like injured already. yeah i can't remember um but a, a little girl comes and takes his hand and then as the scenes change like sometimes it's a little boy and a little girl from the view yeah. from the back. Sometimes it's Joel and Clementine as mm -hmm. adults. Like, just those small decisions they made are what makes this movie so good, I feel like. Yeah. Ugh. It was great. It was so good. It's one of those that, like, you want to watch it again after you finish it and you know everything because you know there's going to be more for you to figure out once you actually know the answer and i love books and movies like that where you can like experience it differently every single time that you watch or read it and i definitely think this is one that i will want to watch again at some point um obviously not like right away because that's not really how we do things in this household but but i could see myself re-watching this one for sure yeah yeah this this was i thought this was really good i I'm wondering if we want to, and this is something else, but there's a movie called Memento, and I think it's a little more gritty, um, but it's about, actually, I don't know if I should say what it's about, because I think that might fully spoil it, um, so we should probably watch that, because I know, <laughs> I know some of the parts that are going to make it a little less, like, cool for a first watch for me, but if you go into it knowing nothing, I think you're going to be... It's supposedly you're very confused when you watch it through the right. first time and then you find out the stuff at the end and you're like, oh, and you can rewatch the whole movie and like it's like almost a wholly different experience because you understand it yeah. better. You had also said that Brittany should watch Cashback. Yes, Brittany should watch Cashback. Which I did tell her that, but I feel like that goes for anyone who has seen and, and liked this movie. Cashback is a good recommendation. Yeah, and it's Cashback's not as like... I don't know. I think it is kind of as brainy. It's not as as um, just in a different way. Yeah, yeah, and and it's funnier too. I think it's. I think Cashback is funnier to me than uh, than this movie was. I, I there were some some bits of comedy in this movie that I thought were entertaining, but yeah, I I think that they are both 
very similarly good movies. I don't know the dude's name, but the kid who plays Oliver Wood in like the first Harry Potter movie is the main character in Cashback. Um, and yeah, it, he's he's really good as like a first character. The whole conceit of that movie is that he's um, he becomes an insomniac, uh, and in order to I think in order to make the time go faster, he's like it's it's a very interesting concept. But he he learns how to freeze time. It's kind of his like thing. And he um, works in a yeah in a grocery store. Yeah, he works at a it's a UK grocery store, which is really cool. I think it's like a Sainsbury's or something. But yeah, and that's that's very fun. I I really recommend that movie. It's it's very good. All yeah, right. I'm glad we talked about that too. So if you did like this movie, Cashback is a great yeah, recommendation. It's another, it's another one. And that wraps up our movie review episodes for the year. Oh boy. So we are going to end this here. We are actually going to be recording our big media break episode yes, basically we are. right after this, but um, this episode will go up before that one. So we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.